I want to share a passage of scripture with you, if I may. And uh, Psalm 32, if you want to go there, this is what it says. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I, notice this is a personal testimony now, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Can anybody here relate to those words? Well, that's a lot of amens. Jeez, that kind of shocked me. I want to say praise the Lord, but yeah, praise the Lord. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, now watch these next words. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Did you catch that? Even the godly sin. Surely in a rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So, listen up. Be not like a horse or a mule which have no understanding but must be harnessed with bit and bridle or they won't come near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. The Hebrew says, spin around. That's what it says. O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In 2005... I, uh, I was in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, I got there a couple hours early. Uh, I'm from Waterloo, so I had family and friends I could visit. I think I was there about three hours early. Just plenty of time before I had to get to the church. I was relaxing, and suddenly my phone rang, and I answered my phone, and it was, uh, it was someone, the person on the other end was at the church, and they said, can you... How, how long will it be before you can get to the church? I was like 10 minutes from the church. I said, I'm, I'm here in town. Why? Well, we need you to get here and do the wedding. I said, I know. I'm here to do the wedding. The wedding's now for three more hours. No, it needs to be now. I said, uh, pardon me? They said, the groom is having an appendicitis attack, and he's got to get to the hospital. I said, you've got to be kidding me. They said, No. All the, bride, the bridesmaids are bawling. The bride is bawling. Everybody's bawling. But you need to get here and do the wedding. Thank you very much. Click. And I made my way to, and, and here is the beautiful couple that I, that I married. There they are in that day. I don't know if you recognize Brant without the beard. Man, you look young, Brant. 
And, uh, and I don't know how you crack that smile because he is, he is suffering from an appendicitis attack as this picture is being taken. Here, uh, and here, here uh, here's what I look, this, this is what I walked into. This is what I walked into when I got there. And, um, and then, you know, he rushed off and got his appendix, appendix taken out and and uh, they got back. They had to plan their honeymoon later on. So they, they finally got to go on their honeymoon and they got hit by a hurricane. Now, this is not a story about omens, okay? Because the truth of the matter is, the bigger hurricane would hit later on. In fact, uh, in 2008, a few years later, uh, after this occurred, I said to Brant and Amy, I said, someday this story will need to be told. And they agreed. I'm humbled and I'm proud of Brant and Amy Hambly. This is a courageous thing that they're doing for Christ, his body, and Christian marriage. What you're about to hear, sadly, happens all the time. The power of the story you're about to witness is not the uniqueness of the story, but the God-given willingness on the part of Brant and Amy to be humble and honest and tell their story that sadly, while it happens often, does not often turn out the way theirs has. As you watch this story, you don't need to write these things down, I'll I'm going to put it in your head now. We'll get it back to you later because there are so many lessons that are going to come out of this and you're going to catch them as you, as you watch it. But as you watch, here's what I want you to be thinking about. Think about the health of your marriage. Think about the realities of a Christian living in sin. And I'm going to assume that some of you are living in sin because some of you are living in sin. So I want you to think of the realities of living in sin. I want you to think about how a husband or a wife, now listen carefully to what I'm going to say. I want you to think of the realities of a husband or wife, all right? How a husband or wife can, uh, can be not guilty uh, of the sin that ostensibly threatens your marriage yet guilty of creating vulnerability in the spouse. I'll say that again. I want you to think about how a husband or a wife can, can be not guilty of the sin that ostensibly threatens the marriage, yet guilty of creating vulnerability and the one who becomes guilty of that sin. I want you to be thinking about reactions, original and later, after getting caught. I want you to think about reactions, original and later, at the revelation of unfaithfulness in your spouse. I want you to think about joy and release of godly repentance.
I want you to think about the grace of forgiveness. I want you to think about the need, and some of you have this need as I speak, the need to take a scalpel to your schedule. And I want you to think about the power, love, and help that a church, that family and friends bring to a troubled, broken situation. And finally, the joy of rebuilding a broken marriage to the glory of God. I give you the Brant and Amy story. Brant and Amy, thanks for inviting me into your home tonight uh, to be able to go back and forth with you on your story. Um, this is very humbling to me. I'm very grateful for this moment. And um, it's just been a joy to see what the Lord has and is doing in your life, uh, in your lives, actually, and uh, your marriage over the past many years now, over 10. And while you two are both, and you'd admit you're far from being perfect, uh, you're also far away now from the story that we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, it's a hard one. But I want to thank both of you for being willing uh, to share it with us uh, tonight. It's something that we have actually prayed about for a while. And I think it's important for us to share it and mm. um, to talk about it publicly now. <laughs> well, it's been many years. In fact, we just figured out it's been like 10 years. So, um, And so I remember telling the two of you, when this started to unpack itself and you were on the other side of the story, uh, there had been forgiveness and reconciliation. And I said to you then, Brant and Amy, this is a story that's going to have to be told someday. Do you remember me telling you that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, this is that day. So uh, this has been a long time coming. I know the two of you have been praying about this day. And uh, even this whole thing coming about is a God thing, which is very encouraging uh, to me. So. I, I remember getting a phone call from your, your dad, uh, Brant, uh, out of the blue, uh, being called to your home. And I knew something had happened, but he didn't really fully disclose what had happened. I can remember coming here and, and seeing you, uh, Amy, you were broken, uh, weeping, really curled up in a fetal position on a chair. That's how I envision you. And you were, it was just, and you were devastated over here, completely beside yourself. And then of course, I was informed at that time that there was infidelity on your part, and, uh, and we knew that this was a, a crucial and very, very critical moment for, for everyone involved. And uh, so let's just, let's just go with you first, Amy. Um, without reliving everything, uh, because it's a shame to speak of those things which are done in secret according to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5. Uh, Tell us, if you would, how did you get into this sin and mess? Well, <clears throat> I actually had just been given a promotion at my job where I worked. And there was a guy there that had actually started to show me lots of attention. And initially, I ignored it at first. I really did. And um, eventually, over time, I actually started to enjoy the attention. And something as innocent as a group of us, including him, would go and grab lunch together often. 
and which that led to just him and I grabbing lunch together. And um, that basically developed into a relationship. And um, I know the Bible talks a lot about the paths that you take and the path that you choose and where it will lead you. And I was definitely headed down a path of sin and complete destruction, which uh, resulted in me committing adultery. And it's something that I was living a double life, basically. I was living one life at work and one life at home, and I was doing everything I could to lie and maintain those lies just to keep myself from getting caught. We often talk about, and you've heard this expression, you almost alluded to it, paths lead to places. That's mm -hmm. an expression we use a lot at Sailorville Church. And it really comes from the writer of Proverbs, and it comes from a situation uh, that talks about uh, the pathway of immorality. Paths do lead to places. That's why we have to deal with the path. And we'll come back to that in just a little bit. Uh, um, uh, how, how, was, how did this all get exposed? Did you just come clean on this, or was this something that, uh, was it not like that? Yeah, no, I definitely, it was not like that at all. Um, as a matter of fact, there was a point in time that uh, Brant took me aside after several things leading up to that and actually flat out asked me, are you having an affair? And I denied it. I said mm. no. And to be completely honest, I was terrified in that moment. And I was afraid of getting caught. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to have to be more careful, which devastates me wow. thinking back on that now. Um, I mean, I knew exactly what I was doing and I just continued right in it. It's interesting that you said you lived this double life, but apparently everything wasn't good in the home because you were, something was wrong. You wouldn't just ask such a question. Right. Yeah. Um, and this is not, this is more of a failure mm. on my part. Um, about a year before this, we had planned a romantic getaway. It was on our anniversary, two-year anniversary, actually. And and we were not a couple that, even when we struggled, it wasn't that we were having these fights. That's not what was going on. We were just growing apart. But on this trip, we fought. And, I mean, it was so bad that when we left that trip, we drove all the way back from Chicago and did not say a word. Neither one of us did. And that continued on for two weeks. And when I say, when I say a word, I mean not a word for two weeks. I would come home from work. I would look away from her. I didn't say hi. And then we'd go to church and pretend nothing was wrong. Um, and that was, should have been a sign because that, that's not going to happen if there's not some problems there. But then as it continued on throughout that year, um, people came to me. My grandma would be an example. Um, she actually went to my aunt. And, she, and my grandma's not a gossip. She doesn't talk about family members. But she told my aunt, she goes, I give them a year and wow. they won't be married. Wow. And that got back to me. And, and I thought to myself, I do have problems. But I was too prideful to do anything about it. I didn't talk to my wife about it. I got angry that somebody was talking about my marriage. But she was right because we wouldn't have lasted another year. My dad came to me. And he said, your marriage has issues. And you, he goes, you need to go to counseling. I don't know what's, I don't know what it is, but something's wrong in your marriage. And it was after talking to my dad several times 
that I finally went and talked to Amy and I was like, we're going to do counseling. And I talked to her, asked her, and she's like, I'm not interested in doing counseling. We will just work on it together. No, I'm not having an affair. But then being a leader of the home, I still did nothing. And I mean, it was a couple of weeks later when I was getting more and more suspicious and I walked in one night late and I was noticing that she's coming to bed far later than me. It was probably one, two in the morning, something like that. And so I went in and she was on the computer and she was emailing somebody and she was, tried to hide it. And I realized, and I, well, I, I went and I saw that email before she could get it closed out. And I realized she was having an affair. So that's when it was all exposed at that time. And of course, nothing new under the sun here. Our sin will find us out, right? Yep. So this is, it was the next day that I received this phone call. And um, before we hear from Amy about, her, you know, how God brought you to repentance, uh, we all agree there's no excuse for what Amy did. And you've already admitted to living an adulterous double life, the whole nine yards. But neither do we ignore the fact that when a man does not act in a Christ-honoring way as a husband, he leaves his wife vulnerable. And while there's not an excuse for the sin, um, you kind of see yourself as having done that, don't you? And, and I want you to respond to that. What, what, did you, what role did you play that put your life, your, your wife's life, that is, in jeopardy? Well, so... The, the interesting thing about this, some of this is revealed to me as I'm going through counseling, you know, that my blindness to my own faults was exposed. And so, and so there's more than just what I'm talking about now because we don't have time, but I can think of three pretty big things in our marriage that I was blind to. First of all was busyness. I was so busy that we basically didn't have a marriage. Um, I'd been busy before that, but for the year leading up to this, I never saw my wife. The only time I really saw her was maybe on Sundays. Um, and it wasn't like I was doing bad stuff. I was working constantly. It was the most successful year I've ever had for my business. I was going to seminary. Um, I was taking a huge load. I was in the process of building a house. I mean, stuff that in and of themselves are not horrible things, mm -hmm. but absolutely ignoring my wife during that time. Wow. And, uh, and we found later, I mean, we ended up taking a scalpel and ruthlessly just eliminated stuff out of our schedule when this is all said and done. Um, the, the second thing is, is I wasn't leading her spiritually at all. So I was going to seminary. I was actually teaching some at church, like a couple of times I was in Sunday school. I was leading a small group. But at home, I was no leader. I wasn't even there to be a leader. We didn't pray together. We didn't read the Bible together. We had nothing. There's no real foundation at that time. And, and I recognize that now. And it's one of those things where, you know, you see some of the stuff now, it can still creep back into our marriage, but we both, it's a lot more stark to us now. But there are probably people watching this right now and they're thinking, I can't, I mean, that's not good, but there's, there's no excuse for what she did. I mean, you're, you're making it sound like, uh, there's an excuse for what she did. You're not, you're not saying that. No, no, absolutely not. There, there's, there's no excuse for it, but at the same time, I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I wasn't mm -hmm. leading her at that time. I was supposed to be the leader of my home and I was non-existent. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there is something to the scripture that calls our wives the weaker vessel. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, this, that's not a chauvinistic remark. It's just a true remark. There, there are emotional elements to and aspects to our, our women that we don't have. And that's why they make us better. And hopefully we can make them better. Anyway, at any rate, this marriage was not functioning properly at the time. <clears throat> just the same, you had uh, taken the path to a place you shouldn't have gone and you were doing this for a period of time. Uh, then, as God would have it, you get caught. Uh, you're exposed. You, you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, as the old expression has it. How did you come to repentance, true, biblical, godly sorrow and repentance? Well, at first, to be honest, I was actually angry that I got caught, that I allowed myself. And while I was in that moment, I remember thinking, I've ruined everything, and there's no way that Brant is ever going to want to stick with me. And I remember he actually left that night. And I didn't think he was going to come back. And I thought, why would he come back? You know, I've been a horrible wife. And <clears throat> it was while I was left alone that I just couldn't stop thinking about how horrible it was, but I was so relieved that I got caught mm. and that I could stop living this double life that I'd been in. And it actually was a freeing feeling almost. And I mean, leading up to this, I was definitely miserable in my sin. And um, I remember later on reading the passage in Psalm 32 where it talks about how David described his sin, that his bones ached and that he groaned all day mm. and that God's hand was heavy upon him. That described me to a T. And I didn't want to be like that anymore. It was stressing me out and it was miserable. And so that night when Brant found me, yes, I was angry at first, but at the same time, I was so relieved. And I remember when he finally did come back and when you came over, I remember you walking in and the first thing you did was you just hugged me. And I didn't know why you would want to hug me. Because why would anyone want to hug someone that's done something so ugly and it seemed unforgivable to me. And I was definitely broken and I wanted to be done and I was very sorry, but it, I mean, it really took me days to, um, admit everything to Brant even, but I was definitely done and I was relieved. That's very powerful. And I do remember that even as you shared it, I, I remember it. And, um, Brant, um, you said a little bit earlier, or actually Amy said you left that night. Maybe it was you that, you that said that, but um, you did eventually forgive Amy. And so 
tell me what was how did you process forgiveness and was it was it an excruciatingly hard thing for you to to do i was extremely angry i was devastated i left not just of just because i was angry i'll be honest i mean i thought about ending my life that night i mean i was drove down the road trying to find a place to run into a bridge and um i called my parents and really they kind of helped talk me through it and they're like don't do anything <laughs> go back home we're coming so you mm. know they came so forgiveness was not at that point mm-hmm. um my first thought was i'm getting a divorce and it's gonna i'm tomorrow i mean i planned on monday morning going into attorney forgiveness wasn't even something i considered at that point so and my parents tried to talk me through it and i wasn't listening but honestly when you came over one of the very first things you asked me you said are you willing to work on this marriage and up to that point i would have i said no i don't even know if i said yes right away because it was not something that i had any intention to do um forgiveness just wasn't a strength of mine at all and but you were relentless and you said i got to know are you going to work you made a promise until death do you part and i realized you're right at that point and i said yeah i'm willing to work on the marriage and and we started talking about forgiveness and you talked about that you know forgiveness is a decision mm-hmm. and you talked about what it meant to forgive don't just say it but when you forgive somebody truly it's like it's gone it's not something that you can hold against them and at this point i wanted to hold it against her and i knew that there was no way on earth that i was going to be able to forgive her on my own and i remember that i knew i needed to but i felt like i couldn't mm. and i prayed about it and i said god i need your help on this and honestly God gave me the gift of forgiveness not that he's forgiven mm. me but gave me the gift to be able to forgive just like he forgave me when Amen. he died on the cross for our sins. Um, later on in in the process I remember my mom had talked to me about forgiveness and she said you do understand that Christ died for your sins before you sinned before you were born it's not something you had asked for it's not something that you had earned but he still was able he was willing to die for you and forgive you and that kind of stuff meant a lot to me mm-hmm. and God gave me that forgiveness that frankly was fairly it wasn't as excruciating as you might think it was and it was complete and and I'm so thankful for that mm-hmm. that through the power of God that that became possible because if it didn't I believe I'd be a so bitter of a person I don't know if our, I don't think our marriage would have survived. Right. And I think I'd be bitter to this day. And I think it would and mm. I so I'm just so thankful that and I truly forgive her. Mm. I love Amy more today than I thought was possible. And that was from God. That's beautifully put, Grant. Especially when I think of the scripture that says be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you 
and um, it's the basis of your forgiveness that you've been extended from God that you were able to forgive Amy and yet you had that theology before all of this took place so this is the most severe test of your life wouldn't you agree yeah and uh, and so did you look Amy in the eye were you where were you do you remember anything like that where you looked at Amy and said I forgive you I fully forgive you for what you have done I did I don't remember exactly when and where mm -hmm. but I know that because I know it was either it might have been right away I can't remember if it was the same yeah. day or if it was within the next week or mm -hmm. so that I did yeah it was that very day was I it? remember because I remember it was instant and it was right away and I was so thankful and I just remember thinking that Brant was a true picture of how Christ forgave me he forgave me completely and fully and even now, I believe him and know that when he looks at me, he doesn't see that. So That's beautiful. That was a question I was going to ask you. What, take us there. Take us to your heart here, Amy. You sought forgiveness from the Lord uh, when you repented. You, were, you had said you were broken. Do you remember crying out to God and asking for forgiveness through this whole thing? Yeah. I, yeah, definitely. I mean... I, several days, I was in anguish over my sin, mm. really. I mean, um, I remember that same Psalm 32 when David talks about when he did finally confess his sin and admit his transgressions, yeah. that he knew fully the love of Christ. Yeah. And um, I still cling to Psalm 130 when it says, if you kept a record, who could stand, O yeah. God? And I know his love um, is great for me, and yeah. I, I know it, and I believe it, and I feel it. Amen. And that's how Brant is towards me. I love that psalm, because the next line says, but there's forgiveness with mm -hmm. you that you may be feared. So God has granted you forgiveness. Your husband has granted you forgiveness. And um, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, and I'm so thrilled that you would share it. So tell us, tell us now from a practical standpoint, just for a few minutes, uh, on a from a practical perspective, what safeguards did you put in there? I know that we did a safeguard in my office. You might want to talk a little bit about that, but what other safeguards, talk a little bit about that, and what safeguards did you guys install that uh, would kind of bring back the trust that needed to be reinstalled in your marriage? Well, I know for one, I know Brant said the comment earlier, we took a scalpel to our schedule, mm. and that really is, I mean, we really did that. Mm. I know the very next morning, I called my place of work and I quit my job mm. and I never went back. Um, we, Brant actually dropped out of seminary. He um, cut back tremendously on his work hours. He even uh, went before his, um, everyone he worked with and apologized to them and said, if my marriage is struggling, I don't want your marriage to struggle mm. and we need to really change how we, you know, go about hours and, <laughs> um, I stopped doing music at church and we just really cut everything out. Um, we stripped everything down and really for the next year, we just spent every moment working on our marriage and we spent every moment together and we didn't do it alone. We didn't do it just the two of us. We brought people in that 
could come alongside us and help us and keep us accountable and pray for us. Um, I remember sitting down with some of our closest friends and telling them, and that was really hard mm. because I didn't want them to know that stuff about me, mm. but it was important for us to tell them so that they could walk through us, walk through it with us mm -hmm. and to hold us accountable. And I mean, they do that even now. And, um, you know, there's even things now that we realize if it's headed down that path, we know to stop it and take a look and we know where that leads and, and to be proactive about, you know, keeping our marriage right. safe. Right. Would you add anything to that, Brent? She said a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment where, I mean, it's probably good from a practical perspective from those who'd be watching this. Uh, they're pulling themselves out of, uh, of a life of infidelity. There's an adulterous relationship going on. Maybe they got caught, maybe they didn't. I mean, with the two of you, we actually went into my office. Uh, that was another very hard thing to do for everybody involved, but a necessary thing. Because in order to protect you and to protect your mind as well, we had to call this individual up and you had to personally speak. And what happened there? What did you, what'd you say? Um, yeah, I remember just saying, I've sinned against my God and I've sinned against my husband. And I've repented and asked God for forgiveness, and you know this is done. Yeah, and I heard it, Brand heard it, and it was over. Mm -hmm. So that was another safeguard, wasn't it? Well, so there's one other aspect to that that some people might not think of. I was very angry at that guy, very angry um, for weeks and weeks. Every night I would go to bed and I would dream about I would beat him all night. I'd never seen the guy before, but that's what I would dream about. I would wake up sweating and exhausted. And I remember talking with Kevin and Jeannie, and I told them that. I said, I can't sleep every night. That's what I think about. And they quoted, was it uh, like 1 John 3, I think? Mm -hmm. um, 1 John 3 talks about, you know, if you hate your brother, you know, you have murder. Mm -hmm. It's like murder. And she goes, you have murder in your heart you know what, you have to forgive him too. And I said, he's never asked me for forgiveness. Why would I have to forgive him? And she goes, and did Christ come and talk to you before he died on the cross? <laughs> <laughs> so an important aspect of it for me was actually having to forgive him. That was much more difficult to mm. forgive him than it was my wife who I already loved. Yeah, yeah. So, and that to me, that was a safeguard mm. also to prevent bitterness in my own heart against him. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 to put off the old man and put on the new man, which is created in righteousness. So you've talked a lot about putting off. You both said put the scalpel and you, you got rid of some of that busyness and all that. You have alluded to your friends. You, that was a big, big deal to talk to your closest friends. What are some of the other things that have happened in your life from the putting on perspective that have, has helped to resurrect your marriage? Well, we've start, we've, we had to rebuild it. We started out, you know, we got rid of everything. And then when we rebuild it, we rebuild it together. Um, instead of having separate ministries and separate lives that we had created over the years. Um, I mean, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people know that we do foster care. Mm -hmm. um, and God's given us both a love for these kids that come into our home. But that is a team effort. Um, Amy can't do it alone, and I certainly can't do it alone. 
Um, so we, it, it's something that probably, had we not gone through some of the stuff we had, I don't know if I'd have that type of a love for these kids and in a non-judgment way towards the situations that are out there because all of a sudden I realize that I'm not quite as great as I thought mm. I was. Mm. Um, we've uh, been able to talk to other couples as well about the struggles that we've had in our own marriage. Um, that, what are some of the other stuff that we've... Well, one of the things I was thinking about going back to the foster care thing is, you know, with foster care, there comes a lot of emotions. There's great highs and lots of joy that it brings, but also, you know, it really, it really does bring lots of heartache too. Mm. And I feel like through those things that we have experienced, it really has made us strong and it's really forced us to go to each other and go to God and really just, um, you know, seek out each other's comfort and, and it's something that I love being able to do that with him. And it definitely, like he said, is something that I think we make a pretty good team. (laughs) It's something that I'm so thankful that we're able to do it together. Well, instead of this destroying us, which it could have, God showed his power. He's brought us together, but in every aspect of our life. Where, like Amy said, we do, we kind of, we feel like a team. And I mean, it's everything, even if, whether it's, we both like baseball, you know, or it's, we're served together. We have the same friends where before we had, we were creating separate friends and separate lives. And it's just been amazing. This is really good and practical stuff. Again, there are going to be people out there watching this whose their marriages are on the rocks. Okay. You got men that are not leading their wives, they're not showing them godly affection, women that are crying out for that kind of affection. What would you say to those couples right now that are struggling, uh, regardless of whether or not there's some kind of infidelity taking place? What would you say to them, Amy? Well, it's never too late. I think God is so powerful and he can give you the victory Hmm. through anything. Hmm. And, um, yeah, it's never too late. And to forgive. Amen. I believe in counseling so much more than mm-hmm. I did before. I was telling you guys earlier that I feel like that instead of counseling being used as something that is the last-ditch effort. Like a crisis situation. Like a crisis situation. It should be more like an oil change mm-hmm. and more preventative maintenance with mm-hmm. people. I think people should be going in for tune-ups, even if it's not a an official counseling session, but you need to have those outside eyes on your relationship that are willing to talk to you. Mm. And I also encourage people, if you see a marriage that's struggling, do what some of the people that came to our marriage and started talking to me. I reacted poorly, Mm. but I still heard it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for those people because Mm. it could have been even worse Mm. had they not come to me and talked to me about it. That's really great. Brant and Amy, there, there are lots of marriages, some in our, your very own church, uh, that are not unlike yours in that they have had, there have been a, there's been a failure, uh, there, there's been repentance and forgiveness has been offered, but they're not going public with their, with their former fall. 
uh, and that's okay. Uh, this, the intention of this is not to get 100 people to do the same thing the two of you are doing. Uh, we want them to know that. Uh, that's okay. But there's also going to be probably critics out there. They're going to say that this is exploiting, uh, you know, you're exploiting something that's already been forgiven by God. Uh, how might you respond to those critics who might say right now, why are you even doing this? Well, I know we've said before, and it's actually something that we have prayed about for years. Um, you know, in what way can God use this mm. for his glory? And if it's even to help one marriage that's mm. struggling, that would be worth it. And I also think there's something um, good about publicly confessing sin as well and um, almost healing in a way. Yeah, amen. Yep. The timing of this is pretty amazing. You've kind of alluded to this. Go ahead and tell the story. There. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I got a call from you and you asked if we would be interested in telling this story. And I told you, I said, it's amazing timing. Because mm. number one, like Amy said, we've been praying about this for years. But it wasn't long before this that we were on a short-term mission trip in Brazil. And a Brazilian couple shared with us a very similar story to what Amy and I went through in our marriage. And it ministered to us mm -hmm. in a unique way. And I remember we'd already been praying about it before. But at that point, Amy was, told me, she says, I think it's time for us to tell our story. Mm -hmm. And not maybe a month later, you called mm -hmm. and you asked us. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a God thing that now is the time. It's not a fun story to tell, <laughs> yeah. but it's definitely one that, that needed to be told. Brent and Amy, I hope that what comes out of this is you have people privately coming to you because you can speak truth and love into their lives and give them the hope that they so much need. It gives me great joy to be your pastor, to be to have been your pastor 10 years ago when this all happened, to see all this unpack itself like it has, to see the fruit of your lives over time, it just gives me great joy. And I want to personally thank you for taking the time to share your story. God bless you. Thank you. I gotta make them stand up. Brand Amy, stand up. Where are you? Stand up right there. Let's show them our love. Let's show them our love. Man, I've been watching that video for a whole week and I'm, I get tearful every time, but I'm just so very, very grateful to God. Aren't you? What a great story. And I think that story has some serious legs to it. And I'm hoping you'll use it. We're gonna put it out there. Brand and Amy are permitting us or allowing us to put it out there on YouTube so it'll be out there and on social media for you to use. And some of you can use it right away. Some of you are already thinking about people, aren't you? You're thinking about somebody in your family. You're thinking about a good friend that needs to see this. And so do what you ought to do. Don't just shove it down their throat. Don't do that. Uh, you know, just, you know, share something with them. Uh, but it's a, I think it's, I think, and let's, by the way, Tanner, Tanner Archer, are you here? Let's give him a round of applause for his videography on that.
You have no, no, you have no idea how many runny noses he had to take out of that deal. <laughs> he did a great job. So thank you, Tanner. Wonderful job, indeed. But again, I know that you're probably thinking of someone, but I think this, this story could be shared in three, four, five, 10, 20 years from now. And so let's utilize it for the glory of God. Just a couple of things I want to share in conclusion tonight. Just, just a few thoughts. This is not uh, complete. I'm sure some of you are thinking of some things. We're going to get some stuff out. We're going to focus. We're going to throw this at our cell groups as an option here this week as well. But remember the old expression? We've said it for many years. Paths what? Paths lead to places. Nobody ever ends up in the place where they shouldn't be without first getting on the path that took them there. And that is an expression throughout the book of Proverbs. Your sin will every time. Uh, I will tell you this. There are two people who will always lie. There are two people who will always lie. Those who are addicted to some mind-altering substance or whatever, and adulterers. They'll lie every time. Every time. The facade. I was grabbed this time as I watched it again uh, at just the Brant talking about the facade that they lived for a while. Coming to church, putting on the smiles, all of that. Are you there, someone here, living that life, living that lie? Workaholics, I thought of Psalm 127, where David writes, um, um, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, stay up late. By the way, that's a workaholic. For God gives his beloved sleep. Have you read that? And again, by Brant's own admission, some of this was setting things up. I, I love what Brant said, God gave me the gift of forgiveness. I love that. Radical amputation has to take place, and some of you need to do it before it's too late in your schedules. And I, I love what they said at the end, they're serving together. That's Something you must learn to do. Figure out what you can do with your wife. Figure out what you can do with your husband in serving our Lord Jesus Christ. That binds you together like few other things ever will. I want to just close our time in a word of prayer, and then you'll just have a few more minutes before you get your kids. High schoolers, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. This was good stuff for you to take in. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity tonight to be able to listen to the Brant and Amy story. Thank you for your grace in their lives. Thank you for the gift of repentance, the gift of forgiveness, the power of love, the fellowship of the saints, uh, and how important the church is in times like this. I... I, I worry for those, Lord, who don't, are not close to the house of God. And I'm thankful that Brant and Amy had people who spoke hard words to them, even friends, uh, 
that they were in, in Brant's words, that he was listening, though he wasn't always responding properly. And that's the way it is, Lord. No, no discipline comes to us joyously at first, but it's grievous. But after, to those of us who have been trained by it, it, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And may that be true in our lives and in our marriages. And God, we pray these things with great gratitude tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.